and welcome to another episode of Garbage Game Club. I'm Nick Limone, and joining me today, we have Joey, Thimmy. Uh, we're going to keep that in. All right. I guess. Joey. How is control? <laughs> this is what you're doing right now. You're doing a thing that is intentionally setting me up for failure. <laughs> While I think I might do that to you sometimes out of, you know, a place of love, this one feels like a place of rampant hostility. I'm just, I just wanted to get back at you for the Hollow Knight days. For the Hollow Knight days? Yeah, how it took me forever to beat Hollow Knight. Dude, we started a podcast and then you <laughs> took so long to play that game. <laughs> so but now we're in the thick of it. Yeah, which is why, you know, I should... Uh, I, okay, hear me out. Are you going to watch Breaking Bad El Camino tonight or are you going to play some control? I'm going to watch Breaking Bad El Camino. <laughs> I set my own motherfucking schedule. Maybe I'll play a little bit of control before Breaking Bad. Have you I started until, it yet? I have until. No! <laughs> We've been moving two houses and my dad's business. And I know I want some empathy that uh, someone was on vacation and they just got to play whatever games they wanted to on their Switch when they were going around Korea while some of us set up a studio but and yet, a home. And one of those games that I played was The Legend of Zelda. Me Link's too. Awakening. Me too. Oh, but wait, wait, hold on. I thought you didn't have time to play games. I What's going time, on? I have time to play games mobily when I am traveling for work, when I am in the backseat of a car. <laughs> I never play games in the backseat of a car. I get very car sick. When, I, when it is late at night and my computer's not set up because we haven't moved into our new house yet properly, mm. I can't play. An, uh, I'm so sorry. Why would you do that? Don't burp into that. Because I had a beyond. Uh, excuse me, I had an impossible burger for the first time. Don't, mi don't cooked, mix it up. I cooked my own impossible meat, and you know what? It was pretty good. It was pretty dang good. I, it, I was it, like, wow, this is an impossible miracle of science. It is more caloric than ground re than ground round than regular beef, though, so I don't think I'm actually going to ever eat it. Um, because I can't remember what the calories in the cat. So, what's that say about me? Oh. That I want to be skinny. It's a life goal thing. Anywho, I had time to play Link's Awakening and not control, which is why if you didn't do your homework, I'm setting a really bad precedent. You're, you're just the cool sub who's like, hey, you don't have to worry about that assignment. Hey, what if we played this little short game instead? Wouldn't you like that class? Yeah, I, this is the last one. I don't have any more. <laughs> I don't have any more down my rope. We have I have like two weeks at the most to play control now. I think I can find eight hours. We'll see. Didn't you spend like something dumb, like 20 hours on it? Just about. God, that's too much. I'm not going to do all the reading you did. <laughs> There's a lot to read. I don't want to talk about that game because that's the ice machine. Because we are not talking about that game. I would like to make a public apology for Nick going on vacation and ruining our schedule. <laughs> Instead, what we're talking about today, surprise, another game with Link in it? Yeah. And Zelda in the title? And to what? be fair, if you're listening to this, you probably already played Link's Awakening already. Whenever a Zelda game comes out, everyone's just like, oh, I gotta get the Zelda game because Zelda's like one of those franchises. I never used to be that person. Oh, really? I didn't really like, I didn't really like Zelda games. Why? They're boring. Why? 
because I didn't have fun playing them. But why? What is it about? You didn't like the way it played. You didn't like the content of it. Yeah, like, like I'm like I'm just like fighting people. There's not really a story. Like I'm just walking around. Some of it, old Zelda games are confusing and kind of convoluted. Um, I was young. I never really. I tried playing. Even though I tried playing stuff like Skyward Sword. I'm like, I don't like this. Oh, I don't like the weak. Skyward Sword bad. Yeah. So like, mm, I I really struggled to get into the Zelda series. And the first Zelda game that I finished all the way was Wind Waker. Uh, but the, first, the first Zelda game that I really played, like really played, was Breath of the Wild. And I'm like, this is a game that I like. And it breaks the Zelda formula because it's, you know, it's it's heralded for being different. Mm. Um, the same but different. An, an evolution, if you will. So to go to have the next Zelda game be a remake of, what, the third Zelda game is... Fourth. The fourth Zelda game. The third one never really counts that right. Links to the Past. Is as the third one. The is, second one's Zelda 2. Is um we're going we're really going back into that classic, classic, classic Zelda formula. So we're going from the future to hard in the past. And I thought that it was worth my time to expose myself to an area of video games that many people hold dearest. Like, the most dear games people hold to, to their hearts that I haven't really properly exposed myself to, especially not as an adult. So, I, I found it worthwhile to go and try and play Link's Awakening. When it was first announced, I'm like, I'm not going to play that. And then as time went on, I'm like, you know what, I think I am going to play that. And top level, I'm happy I played it. Mid-level, bottom level... It'll, it doesn't even come close to a, a Breath of the Wild type thing. But it, I don't think it tries to be that either. I think that it is a game that knows what it is, and it really just tries to execute on every front of what it is attempting to do. But, okay, so the thing is, is that... Uh, it, it's a remake I, of a Game Boy Color game. I don't want to go back and play other classic Zelda games. I don't feel like I'm craving that kind of game. Mm-hmm. Because there are, what, two, three, four other games that are very close to Link's, Link's Awakening yeah. that I can go play right now if I wanted more of that. I don't feel like I need more of that. That's I fair. Was, I was content with what I had. It was a good experience that I'm glad I exposed myself to. But it didn't feed into this crazy uh, fiend mode, I guess. Like, I wasn't like, oh, man, I gotta, I gotta, can't, I can't put this down. I have to keep on playing it. Or like, oh, I need more of this. It was just a solid game and interesting as, like, a case study into games of yesteryear. Yeah, and I think that this game does a really good job of kind of showcasing some of the things that were important in the year that it was released, which I want to say was like 1996. I have a computer right in front of me, so I can just check that real quick. But regardless, this is a remake of a Game Boy Color game. Wasn't it? The Game Boy Color game was the remake. It was originally just a Game Boy game. It was a Game Boy game originally, and then they remade it on Game Boy Color called uh, Link's Awakening DX, uh, where they added a new dungeon that was like really showcased the idea of like, hey, this game has color now. And the game, of course, also had color. Uh, let me just see when the original Link's Awakening came out. 1993 is when the original game came it out. It says old as me. 
it's a it's a very old game it's very simple and i think that once you've played through the game you realize like oh I, it makes sense that this was made on the game boy color because really you can play the entire game is played with three buttons really yeah and thank god they added a bunch of quality of life features to this version yeah some of the quality of life features uh that you might take for granted now after experiencing modern zeldas are giving the shield its own dedicated button whereas in the original game you would tie it to either a or b and use that <laughs> to navigate around the environment uh jumps were hard as hell to make in the actually no i take that back they were easy as hell to make in the first game if you knew what to do um, that's also kind of true in this one, but they made it a little bit harder. Um, what other things that it, uh, color palette, which I think it was really cute. Um, uh, this is like a really huge jump in where we're talking about it, but like going back to the DX format of the game, when they remade it on Game Boy Color, they added a new color dungeon. And if you know where to look in the game or the, the game kind of hints at where this color dungeon is, you can actually experience it again. And it's just weird experiencing it with like, the gimmick of the dungeon is being able to change things from red to blue. And so, like, it, going through that, it's just like, oh, it's so quaint and cute. Like, this whole game is beautiful. And, uh, like, the whole gimmick of this dungeon is the being able to change between the colors, which I thought was really cool. But that said, one of the biggest overhauls to this game is the redesign look of the game. Uh, as opposed to being just a traditional top-down 2D... Uh, Zelda game like where you're just exploring an open world in like a an eight uh what is it called like an eight movement uh eight direction movement path um that kind of top-down Zelda it's been shifted to like a 2.5d tilt shift effect where it's like we're looking at the game from like a two-thirds uh or a, I'm sorry uh, like a like a like an almost isometric perspective and we have 3d sprites a full 3d environment but they get the tilt shift effect. And for those of you who don't know what tilt shift is, it's this cool little effect that a lot of photographers have started applying to their photo where you apply um, blur or like uh, you, you make the background and the foreground of a photo out of focus to give the appearance of like this weird miniature stretching effect to whatever's in the middle of a frame. And that's something we've never really seen with video until now. Link's Awakening is kind of pioneering something that I'm going to say is probably going to be a very popular look for video games in the coming years. I think we're going to see a lot of games mimic this tilt shift effect. Like how many Zelda clones, traditional Zelda clones, have we seen copy the Zelda style? Now how, how, how much even more so now are we going to see them copy this tilt shift effect? That, I'm very curious to see what that's like because it seems like it's ripe for the next big indie game. Like, I could see a world where Undertale 2 copies this style. I don't know. I guess that it does have enough of a unique look and it's been heralded for the way that this game looks that people are going to want to do it just because they realize that people like it, you know? Yeah, it, so it's, it's good. It's cute. This, ga this game looks very pretty. And not in the sense that, like, God of War looks pretty, or Last of Us looks pretty, or Metal Gear, whatever, looks pretty. It's It takes this, this cute, not cel-shaded, but, like, rounded, colorful, vibrant approach to everything. So, the, the game just looks very welcoming. 
It's very warm. Uh, it's it, like a toy. The game looks like a toy. Yeah, it, it, it's a toy that you can play with uh, and, and, and really just spend a lot of time with. It's, it's comfort food for a lot of people because this is a lot of people's first Zelda game, especially people our age. It, it's definitely like one of the first times they've not only got exposed to the Zelda franchise, but just video games, period. Because, you know, the one thing that parents, maybe the parents didn't want to buy their kid a console, but they would give them a Game Boy so that they could shut up on long car rides or whatever. So this was the inevitable first game for tons of people and probably people listening to this right now. So if that is the case, please let us know. I'd be very curious to see. But with that said, this is also a beautiful indication of the time period that the game was made in. Because uh, one of the biggest influence of the game, and I think one of the, the reasons why it's one of my favorite Zelda games now, is... It's weird. You like that it's weird? What I was thinking, I was going to go a completely different direction when you think about uh, what, what this game is like and how it's based on how, how it's a remake is that this game feels old. <laughs> how, how do you think it feels old? Um, I think video games have evolved to be... Handholdy is probably a condescending way to put it. Mm-hmm. But I can't think of a better term to grab at right now. There's so much at in this game that I think people aren't used to having to use as much abstract thought to play through the game. Or to go and check different corners and nooks and cranes they might have already gone to for something they might have missed. Um, it feels like the the game is really hands-off even though there's always you know the owl or the telephone booster like all these ways to like you know get information it feels like the game really does not hold your hand and sometimes to the detriment i feel like we've gone to a place where it's very easy to follow the yellow line on the floor through the whole game yeah but now you know i can see where someone might get frustrated. Where oh, absolutely. If, of like, well, what the fuck do I do next? Yeah. Like, what, what do I do? Like, I, I need some kind of help figuring out where to go, what to do, what did I miss, what, what, am, what am I missing? Um, so it's, it feels old to me because of how it, mean it is. It, it, it's not mean. It, 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 because of how... It, it it doesn't it doesn't do the player a lot of favors. Yeah, and but I do think that like I don't disagree with you there. I do think that there's plenty of things in the game that'll tell you what to do if you just don't know what to do. Whether it be the owl statues, as he said, or the telephone booth, I found that those have been more often enough than just like oh that's exactly what I need to know. Great, fantastic. I'm glad I did this. And then I moved on and continued my adventure. But unlike a lot of Zelda games, and I think it really changed with Link to the Past, Zelda is a franchise that was built on exploration. Of the game not telling you really anything. The game was built on this idea that, hey, you have to kill this giant pig man and collect these Triforce pieces. Figure it out. And that was kind of the, the basis that the entire franchise was built on. That's what we saw with the original Legend of Zelda. That's what we saw with Zelda 2. And then we started to see a shift where Nintendo started hand-holding a little bit more. Uh, we saw that first with Link to the Past where there were, it wouldn't be explicit about it, 
but it would throw map markers on your map to say, hey, here's the thing you want to try and get to at a certain point, which felt like a step away from what the franchise was built on. You still explore, don't get me wrong, but it felt like it was a little bit easier. And I feel like every Zelda game since then has kind of given way to that, except for Link's Awakening. I think Link's Awakening is this weird outlier that doesn't adhere to that standard of like, no, this is where you got to go. This is the next step of your adventure. Hurry up, go do it. It's a game that in its inability to hold your hand and show you what to do, it hopes you explore the island of Koholint. And in doing so, you encounter some of the weird characters that are on the island. You encounter some of the secrets to get secret items. Uh, one of my biggest criticisms of any Zelda game post uh, Link to the Past, which would be Ocarina of Time moving forward, is that the rewards for exploration are never particularly good. It's usually just a piece of heart, a bomb bag upgrade, an arrow upgrade, or a rupee bag upgrade. And that's it. It never changes the game in any fundamental way. But Link's Awakening and Link to the Past, to be fair, do reward exploration with these really cool upgrades that are completely optional. You don't need them. You don't need the sword upgrade. You don't need the blue tunic to get extra defense. You don't need to complete the trading minigame to get the boomerang, the strongest weapon in the game. You don't need to do those things. But doing them is fun because it gives you access to new gameplay mechanics that you might not have been exposed to. So I'm always a big fan of optional elements of games that completely change the way how you play the game. Man, some of them, though... <clears throat> Very hidden. They're very hidden. They're very. Did you get very convoluted? One of the biggest. I did uh, not do everything in the game. My inventory was not full. I did get the boomerang. I did get the colon sword. I did get the red tunic. Also, side note, um, having the plus damage of the tunic stacking with the plus damage oh, of yeah. the upgraded sword makes the end game laughable. Laughable <laughs> because. Every one hit does, like, four hits. Yeah. So instead of having to hit the boss, I can just, like, boss rush and just do damage repeatedly instead of, like, I can I can kill a boss during my iframes. Yeah. And that said, though, like, going back to what I really like about the game is the fact that it's weird. Um, one of the big tells of the, the era is this game came out following uh, – if it came out following Link to the Past – and as such, it is actually a direct sequel to Link to the Past. Um, this is one of the few Zelda games now. There's a lot more. But at the time, it was one of the only Zelda games to actually have a sequel. And the reason why it's so weird is because it takes a lot of the familiar faces that you met in Link to the Past and presents them in just like this weird way where it's like, I recognize this character, but they're acting completely different. They're acting like, like an imposter or a stranger. Like, this feels weird. It feels like... I'm on a, in a dream or whatever, which, spoilers, you are. Or are you? But one, you of, are. one of the biggest... Uh, Link's Awakening. Yeah. One of the biggest inspirations for this game, this is something that, um, not Miyamoto, but, uh, oh my gosh, I'm embarrassed. I can't remember his name right now. But the director of this game has stated that at the time, the Twin Peaks was actually a huge phenomenon in... Japan, not only in the US, but also Japan during the development of this game. And so when they decided to design the characters and the overall feel of the game, they looked to Twin Peaks for inspiration, where every character is just kind of weird. 
Like, you don't know if they might murder you or just like, it's almost creepy a lot of the interactions in this game. I I think one of the best early indicators is the the item shop owner. Did you try stealing anything from the item shop owner? No. You can actually pick up an item and then walk out of it and use it. You could just walk out with an extra shield and use it to your heart's content. But if you go back into the item shop, he just stops you and says, you're a thief and you must be dealt with accordingly. He zaps you with lightning and then you instantly die. So like, you don't have to ever go in the item shop again, technically. You could walk out with the bow and arrows and just never go back in because then you die. But like, that's just a thing you can do in the game, which I really appreciate. I think it's, it's very neat that something like that exists in this game. There's a lot of neat things, and like, <clears throat> to the point of it being weird, it's so bizarre to see like the other Nintendo franchise crossovers. Yoshi, like Yoshi, like the Chain Chomp, like Marin's dad is Mario. Yeah, <laughs> which is like old, weird-looking Mario, not like yeah. not like Mario Odyssey Mario. Luigi's stuck in the mountains. <laughs> um. What else? There's, there's a Kirby enemy that I don't think you can kill. Yeah, there's a Kirby enemy who's, like, nigh invincible. There is a way to kill him, but you have to use, a, I think, bombs to, to kill him. I tried, and I'm like, I'm not even, I don't, like, what? There's a chain chomp that's, like, a prominent part of the first part, first dungeon in the game. Like, you just walk a chain chomp around, which is very strange. Yeah, it's, it's, so that's why it feels weird to me. It's like, this, this, it, I can't think of any other Mario games, you know, saying Smash Brothers that do this weird, like, using other uh, first-party major assets like this. It's like, what's going on? Why is there a chain shop in my Zelda game? And fun fact. Also, where's Zelda? When Yoshi came out, when Link's Awakening came out and you see the Yoshi doll, Yoshi was a new character at the time of this game's creation. They're like, oh, this is an exciting new character. We're we're gonna throw a little cameo now. Flash forward, how many years later? And it's just like, wow, this is weird. Like, Yoshi's an icon now. <laughs> Yoshi's a character in Smash Brothers. Like, that's weird. Dude. That didn't exist in this time. It is. It, it was so bizarre for me to walk around and, and see those different things. There's Goombas. Yeah. the 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 game has like weird two D side scrolling sections. Do you like those? No. Why? They, I don't, they, every time I walked into one, they felt like they were fucking with flow. Really? Like, it's just slow down. I thought they were too easy to be interesting, but I like that they there's are only, there. There's only, there's like maybe 12 to 15 rooms and yeah. like only one of them is even remotely like a challenge. Yeah. I, one, of, I, one of the ice ones. I wish, like, if you're going to introduce, like, this feels like a weird game design thing that I know really nothing about, but it feels like if you're going to introduce a, a, a a shift in perspective and this is i think uh, one of my big criticisms of the game is like commit to it make a dungeon entirely in 2d if you if you're going to include something like that otherwise it feels kind of out of place yeah they like half did it because there's a 2d boss fight yeah there's the uh the bird fight right on top mm-hmm. of the mountaintop that one's i think very interesting and i wish that entire dungeon would have been a 2d uh, like man, with all the extra damage it's very easy it's very easy I, and i think that that's kind of what this game. The game's is. combat is very easy. I I died once. Yeah. Through my whole playthrough. They made it even easier because in the original game you only had like a, a small like forty five degree attack angle, where it's like Link would swing in this small like angle and that's the only way you could hit enemies. 
but they changed that for the Nintendo Switch. It's a, a lovely quality of life improvement because I don't think I need this game to be difficult. Like, Not like that. They, they shift it in a way so now Link's sword swipe attacks in a full 180 degrees. So if, th if something is in front of Link, you will hit it with your sword, which is great. And to that, they also changed uh, kind of some of the jumping puzzles. To some degree, they made them a little bit easier, which is nice because you can kind of just... You can really make any jump in the game if you try hard enough. You just have to be smart about where you land and how you mash buttons quickly. Like, you can really go anywhere in the game. The, yeah, there's there's a lot of cleverness with the rock feather, which I always kept bound at all times. Yeah, it's, it's the one item that you just... I think most Link's Awakening players just exclusively keep that on. Yeah, and then like the other item slot just slots out whatever I need it to be at that point in time. By the time but, you're done with the game, it's the grapple hook and the feather. Yeah. Or you, you have to swap out for bombs a lot too. Yeah. Sometimes dust is useful. Um, but I... The jumping felt good. The holes in the ground felt bad. Like unfair? Like programmed weird where they're very magnetic yeah where it's like oh dude you didn't land that perfectly you're dead you're you're gonna you're about to fall in homie like you're, you're getting sucked into like a black hole even though you already like look like you're not in the hole anymore mm -hmm. there's there, there's some weird there's some weird things about the game like that that almost feel like this is maybe like true to the original but it feels like the programming's weird i think if i played this game in its original form without all the quality of life stuff i would just hate it because of how unmodern it would be so I really needed all that quality of life stuff to enjoy the game in the first place. And I did. I feel like I'm taking a more inherently negative view on this, uh, whereas you've literally described it as one of your favorite Zelda games ever now. Mm -hmm. um, I did enjoy this game. I played all of it. The first 70% of I played pretty rapidly and pretty like, you know, it was one of those, ah, I, I can stay up 20 more minutes and play just a little bit more kind of things. Uh, I lagged on the last bit because... I'm like, I either need to like spend time to figure out what I'm doing or like just look up a walkthrough or do something. Hmm. And like I was busier. But the first bit, like I, I played pretty rapidly. I did like this game. I'm glad that I played it. Uh, I think that it's worthwhile, especially if you haven't experienced that true old school Zelda formula. But there's just between like not knowing what to do and being a little bit confused or the, the ease of the game never dying on a boss fight ever. Yeah, um, it's an easy and short game. Yeah, it's it it, it didn't really. It, it's hard for me to give it a ringing endorsement. I I can see why the game is important. No, uh, but there's also stuff that that you know took me out of the experience. I can't believe a first party Nintendo game like this, and this is what everyone I'm sure is talking about. Everyone knows about you know, has such frame rate issues. Yeah, how did that happen? Yeah, it's very, it's kind of jarring. It's 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 very apparent. I know I, that any frame rate problem is is often apparent if you like have any semblance of eyes for it. But there's times where it feels like the game will dip to twelve frames per second for a couple seconds, and it's it's bizarre. It feels like an indie project or something that's in development. Or I remember reading reports that people talked about seeing this problem at E3. Yeah, and everyone universally brushed it away as like it's a beta build it'll get fixed it'll get fixed it's a nintendo game they're not going to keep this in their final product so for me to and i didn't know about the frame editions beforehand but for me to get into the game and then within 15 minutes have this chugging i'm like 
is my Switch okay? Yeah, it's like, very what? weird. I can't believe that Nintendo did this. I how did it do it too? Like, I, I have a newer model Switch, the one with like the upgraded processor, and it still like chugs quite a how? bit. How? How did that happen? The game is not that crazy intensive. Is the whole map loaded at one time for some reason or something? Like, like what is going on? No, it's not an excuse for the game, but it is developed by a different party. It's developed by a company named Grezzo. I don't really remember what else they did at this moment in time, but this isn't a published, or I'm sorry, this isn't produced in-house at Nintendo, like an R&D3 type situation. This is farmed out to a third party. But even the fact that Nintendo would be okay with, with yeah. releasing like this and they wouldn't like be like, hey, we need to we need to spend more time, more money, send some of our people to work on it, or like delay it a month. It really feels like the only time the game could have come out, though. Because it feels like Breath of the Wild 2 is probably a 2020 game. I mean, I, I, I also have no idea how long it would take to fix that problem, right? Is that like another month in the oven? Is that another six months in the oven? Is there like some core fundamental problem that would change so much? Well, with Nintendo, they don't want it to get in the... They don't want it to sh steal any of the limelight from any of the other games they have planned for the rest of the year. We've got Luigi's Mansion this month, and uh, I don't really remember Is what's next. this month? Yeah, it's uh, Halloween. Sword and Shield. Sword and Shield, November 15th. And then I think there's something else in December. They're releasing we just mentioned Halloween that's really funny. Yeah. So, like, they have a plan in place, which makes me think that we're getting a Breath of the Wild 2 in 2020. And they don't want to release another Zelda game in 2020 because that's going to distract people and, like, make parents who don't Nothing know anything. distract people from Breath of the Wild 2. I guess maybe parents. But parents, they'd be like, oh, which Zelda game did? Do we get the kids? Oh, I'll get this one. Link to the Past. Or Link's Awakening. That's great. Well, Bob, you love Christmas. You'll love it. Uh, but you going back a little bit to what you said about quality of life things and how the game feels a little bit dated. One thing that absolutely infuriated me about the first time I played the game on Game Boy Color, which was also on my 3DS recently, was picking up a power acorn or a defensive acorn or a power triangle, whatever they're called. Yeah, they, they have like no rhyme or reason for being those things, but yeah. I hated it in the original game because a text box would appear on screen. And the text would load slow, slowly, and you couldn't skip through it. And it was every time you pick one up, it was like a six-second pause in the game that you would just have to wait for the text to finish scrolling. And then I was like, surely, surely they fixed that in this game. I can't wait to just pick it up and just keep on moving. But they still stop you down every time you pick one up, which is inferior. They make it load much quicker, granted. But they still stop you, which is just an inherent no-no in a game like this, where it's like, why would you dare take control away from the player in a moment like this? I never picked them up. I stopped picking them up because I was just so annoyed by it. I, but also the whole text in the game being unskippable and loading slowly was another pain point for me because it's not just that. Like anytime you're talking to someone, it's like, Ugh. it never bothered me when it's like in a town where I'm expecting to talk to people. It loads so slow. But like, fix it. Like, why would you do that? That's not a good de design decision. Like, that's terrible. It's bad. So many things, man. Oh, shield on a button. Yes. Shield on a button's great, though. Fixing uh, that, that text pop-up? Eh. You could have prioritized that a little. Maybe the frame rate a bit. Um, Do you have any, like... So you've played this game multiple times now. This is actually my first time completing it. Okay. I played the game to varying, like, 
degrees when I was younger. Interesting. So was there like points that you remembered like very verbatimly and then other points you're like, oh, I have to figure this out? Or, I could remember there like dungeons the, you liked more than others or like what, what, what were the highs of this game for you? I think I was able to breeze through like up until the castle portion of the game where you get to the the prince who's like been fleeing his castle and he's trying to what are you doing you're creeping me out over there i don't know why you were you're staring the wall staring. I, don't, I don't know why you had why you stopped on the podcast but i was trying to stretch my calf it's very uh, tight you go to calamite castle and that's really when, when the first time i started experiencing i'm gonna stretch my calf again something new in the game where i was just like oh i really like this and couple that with being introduced to the seashell house, which for the longest time I was like, I don't know what these seashells are for. I'm curious what they do. Like maybe some, I just trade it to someone, but you come across the seashell house as soon as you get to uh, the Calamite castle. It's not Calamite. Calamite's the name of the dragon in Dark Souls. Uh, but it's the castle with the prince who's like been banished from it, whatever. You know what I'm talking about. But one, I really like the seashell mechanic. One, because you find an item in the game that lets you know when there's a seashell present so you know where to dig or how to dig for it and then you get fun little rewards that again reward exploration you get the improved uh coat is it the colon sword that way mm -hmm. you get the colon sword uh you get a couple a piece of heart you get a, a couple other things um but yeah i think that's when the game really started to feel exciting to me because you're you're clearing out a castle in order to bring a give it back to a prince like that just seems like a cool thing i haven't done in a zelda game before um you're collecting those leaves from the knights and I, I i thought that was a really neat section but i think a lot of the magic of this game quickly disappears as soon as you fill in every section of the map i think that once i run out of things to explore i quickly lose interest in the game and i'm just looking at my watch trying to figure out like okay how can i finish this game now because i've seen everything that the game offers now hmm, interesting so like once i explore and dust off the the dust on every corner of the map i'm immediately less interested and the map definitely feels smaller as a result because it is a game boy color game it yeah the map does feel small i definitely did a lot i did as much exploring as possible early on and then i was clearly impeded by like the more um, you need an item. Metroid-esque, you need an item to pass. Yeah. So I, I cleared the map pretty early, so I had, like, good good travel points, good good ideas of what was going on, and then I went and I tried to systematically do dungeons. Um, How do you feel about the game's mini-games? Because there's a lot of them. Uh, I don't think I still ever caught a big fish. What? Oh, catching a big fish is such a joy. I never got the big lure. It's very cute. Oh, I never got the big lure either. I got the medium lure. Yeah, because to get the biggest lures, like, I, I don't know how I can, like, I, I, I must be doing something crazy. I didn't even look it up. Like, I was just, eh, it's fine. I don't need it. You got, I got my two bottles. I'm good to go. I really like the fishing minigame. I really like the river rafting minigame. I thought that one was really fun and mm. a good way to get a lot of money. It's, it's, it's a weird way to, like, farm. It's, it's like a weird grindy spot, especially when you get the grappling hook. You can just... Yeah, you can break it. Yeah. But the game wants you to break it. That's why it's set up the way it is. Like, it's meant to be abused. But you like, you can just get so much of everything now, it feels weird. It, it, it's meant to be abused the way the crane game is meant to be abused once you figure out the weird-ass physics in that game. Because, I'll tell you, as soon as I loaded into that for the first time, trying to get that Yoshi doll was infuriating the first time. Because I'd grab it. It'd go up in the center. I'd be like, great, perfect. And then for some reason, it would just wiggle out of the crane. I was like, I don't understand how physics works in this, this dream world. But God, Link, 
figure it out. This is terrible. But after that, though, every other item is so much easier to pick up than the Yoshi doll. Huh, so much easier. <coughs> but very quickly, though, you can abuse that minigame to get 50 rubies. Like, over and over. Like I never effort. felt like I, I was never short on money. I never needed money. As soon as a new item appeared in the item shop, I was like, I need that bow and arrow right now. So I had, like, all the items I could get as soon as they appeared. Yeah, I, I didn't I didn't feel the need for that. Uh, be Almost at all. But we did, you know, uh, you, the one big thing that they did add, I'm sorry, I just cut you off. No, I was going to get uh, to this, actually. Is the, the one thing that a lot of people are talking about is the addition of being able to create your own Zelda dungeon. I was so excited when they announced this. When you say was, I feel like that buries the lead that you weren't into it. And then I was so let down by how bad it is. It's no Mario Maker. <laughs> I didn't even do it, to be honest. No, I didn't do it. I, I did it the first time, and I was severely let down with what the game gave me. Like, I, I get it. The game's not designed specifically around this, but cut the fat. If it doesn't work, just cut it. I think that it worked enough for them to justify shipping it because it was like a core tenant of what they wanted to do. Like I heard that they got direction from like you know big Nintendo. Of, well, yeah, they hey, can want you, can that you make can you make a Mario Maker that is can you make a Zelda Mario Maker esque thing? But this breaks my because heart. the idea is good. It's good, but it breaks my heart that this might hurt the chances of an actual Zelda Dungeon Maker will exist. Mm, maybe or maybe they know what they have to do now so really this is like a like a beta and trial they, run. they see everything that we need to have and make your own zelda dungeons the, what, what are the problems with the current dungeon system uh you're kind of locked into very specific pieces i think that if you're going to make a dungeon maker game i think you build it the way you would a terraria where you have the ability to literally just craft a room as you see fit with however many exits you want and you get Give the player the ability to put items in a chest. I want someone to make a hard as hell but fair Zelda dungeon a la Mario Maker. And I just want to be able to really test my metal. I feel like I'm stuck to a very rigid system of rules when it comes to creating dungeons. And I feel like I'm not actually creating something. I'm just cleverly arranging pre-built pieces that have been handed to me which i don't like i i want to be able to just like minecraft style lay down each individual piece of dirt yeah that's the thing it's like they you're too constrained you're too constrained uh like you're given just enough freedom to to have a glimmer of hope and an idea of what you may be able to do and then you get to the real meat and potatoes of it and you're like man there's just not enough customization you, you have to compromise your ideas in order to get something done yeah exactly which sucks it's like government yeah so um, dompe is big government and the rest of cult the the wind fish it represents the the lower class rising up to to wake it up Wake it all up. Rise up, sheeple. <laughs> Rise up. But I think that brings us to the end of the game, which I think is the most interesting thing that the game can that the game does is the the windfish dungeon and the last boss. Uh, the windfish dungeon is a dungeon that will you have to know the order that you proceed in, otherwise you get stuck forever in this loop. And you do it by how do you you read it? it it's a trading game, right? The trading game gives you the the magnifying glass that lets you read the book. Or did you just figure it out? Do you need the magnifying glass to read that book? You need the magnifying glass to read the book, yeah. So you have to finish all the trading stuff. You don't have to. The dungeon is also like 
like the Lost Woods and Ocarina of Time, if you have zero ability to hear music, you can also just randomly go into directions and then just keep track of which direction actually works until you inevitably I, get I, I guess, yeah, you could brute force it. It would take a lot of time. Yeah, because but it's like, like eight steps you have to follow and get enter the right doorway. Um, it's still a fucking permutation. Yeah, yeah, several times. So it's uh, I, I read the book. You did read the book? Yeah, the, I read the book in the library. Oh, okay. That told you exactly which way to go every time. And I'm like, well... Okay, I mean, I guess I figured out that puzzle or I got rewarded for doing it, but... Oh, and also a weird criticism. The snapshot and the ability to look up snapshots in the Switch is kind of bad. Oh, like I wish I, could, I wrote that down. I know, but I wish, like, I, I decided, like, oh, I'm going to use this feature in the Switch because, like, the, the Switch it has... this, right? You should be able to. Like, it doesn't work the way you think it would, where I, I want to be able to just take a photo, open up the photo album... Keep it open, double tap my home button to go back to the game, and then as I'm proceeding, double tap my home button to look at the photo and go back and forth. But instead, it just felt like clumsy and weird, and then I just ended up taking a photo of it on my phone and just being like, all right, great, perfect. Boom, 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 boom. Left, right, yeah. up, down, left, right. Yeah, yeah, which is which is fine. Like I like the idea of the dungeon, but I think my favorite thing about the dungeon is the last boss because whether you are a hardcore Zelda fan or just playing your first Zelda for the first time, I think there's something there for everyone. If it's your first time playing a Zelda game, it's a pretty interesting multi-tiered boss, and it's fairly challenging in that you have to figure it's out... the most challenging, but that's not saying a bunch. Yeah, you have to figure out what each form of the boss is weak to, and in doing so, you fight and win. But one thing that really stood out to me now, having played most Zelda games at this point in my life, is that this really echoes the idea of it being a dream because this is a sequel to link to the past so the first few forms of the boss that you fight are the first boss the first major boss in link to the past which is aganim the sorcerer he's this guy that kind of throws a, a spell ball that you can bounce back at him using the shield or the sword and definitely just the sword and oh yeah right but you can't bounce it back with your shield it just doesn't go in the right direction right I, I was never able to do that. It took me... That was the hardest boss in the whole game for me. I had no idea what the fuck to do. Yeah. So you have the ability... Like, that's straight up a boss fight in Link to the Past. And the silhouette of it looks exactly like Aghanim, which I thought was really cool. And then, of course, you fight a version of Ganon with a trident that he throws around like a boomerang, which is yet another... Uh, the, I think, like, the AC kicked on, which caused the lights to flicker for a brief second. It does that. Has it done that before today? It's done that, like, every day that we've lived here. <laughs> there was a weird light flickering that I was like very perplexed by that, that everyone <laughs> in the audio recording is probably really confused why we were stopped making this salient point but like you fight Ganon in this game at least you fight Link's memory of Ganon which is he has a pretty recognizable silhouette so if you have any familiarity with the Zelda franchise it's definitely one of those like hey I think this might be a dream after all like the whole thing between the owl and Link is very strange in this game. How the owl's like, hey, this, like, you should just do this and wake up the windfish. It'll all be fine. And then everyone that tells, like, Link, you're going to kill us all if you wake up the windfish. Please stop. And the owl's like, eh, maybe you should just keep going. It's fine. You'll figure it out eventually. Might as well listen to the owl. Yeah. It's like, okay. Like, it, it kind of. You think it's silly, but at the same time, it induces that weird dream logic that 
you know, everyone makes bad decisions in their dream. Like you feel like you're stuck on this, this thing that you don't really have any say in the matter. And so the only choice you have is to proceed. And that's what happens with Link. And uh, I think like Majora's Mask, this is one of the few Zelda games that kind of moves me a little bit. Like I didn't cry or anything, but I definitely felt like I weeped. I, I felt like, man, like it was, all, it was all a dream. Like, Unlike any other person in the world, maybe Breath of the Wild's uh, Zora Princess, but like, I think Link had a chance to make something happy here. Link could have been happy on this island with Marin. You can't dream forever. You, you could have had a lovely life. And then you have this beautiful moment where you get that gorgeous, uh, like, anime, like, hand-drawn anime that plays out once you wake up the Dreamfish and Link is back where the game began. It's just shipwrecked and he's like on a piece of debris floating in the ocean but the windfish wakes up and flies away so it's like a weird semi-dream like not dream like what's going on over here but yeah i, I felt moved is it I bad that i didn't care no i mean i think it's fine i don't think it's particularly meaty but i just like unlike a lot of zelda games which are pretty like straightforward overall like this one just was like oh man that it kind of sucks that you had to wake up all these people. Like, I think that the game does a good job of building such weird, fun characters that when they get wiped from existence, you're kind of like, oh, that's kind of sad. Like, oh, that kind of stinks. Like, oh, you you had a good time here, Link. Poor grandpa with the telephone. I know, man. He was so shy. If you go to his house in person, he's like, hey, can you, let's talk on the phone. I'm more comfortable that way. I, I, <laughs> I opposite identify with him <laughs> so hard. I'm like, you're very different than me, he's, sir. He's a very strange man. But like the game's so weird and cute. Like when you have to recruit Marin on the beach, you pick her up the way you would an item. And it's like, this might be Link's big chance. Like, this is really weird. He, Link just picked her up like an item. What's going on in this game? Might be his big chance, dude. This is big chance. You walk a I, chain chomp around. Like, there's a lot of cute, memorable moments in a way. Like, I don't think there's a lot of memorable moments in a Zelda franchise. I guess not. I'm not the best person to speak about it. You know, like, oh, hey, like, the moon's going to crash into Earth. Yeah. Or let me walk the chain chop around. Or, whoa, that dungeon's flying, dude. <laughs> um, I, like, I think I like this game so much is the, is the same reason why I like Majora's Mask so much. Why Majora's Mask is my second favorite Zelda game. Just because it's weird and it's somber in a way that Zelda games normally aren't. I I guess I don't have enough of a big Zelda picture to like appreciate those little things or the more nuanced parts of it like you do. It just for me as someone taking it as an experience of almost like trying to take a weekend and do like a games history class and appreciate something that is very classical and, and acclaimed. It did that for me, but also made me realize that I appreciate modern game design as opposed to classical game design. And I think there's a lot of, you know, while while there are still Metroid Primes in the world and while, you know, original Zeldas are still good games, I would rather play Hollow Knight. Mm. I would rather play Breath of the Wild. Mm. I would rather play God of War. Mm. Yeah, no, that's totally fair. I am curious to see if we see like Grezzo get their hands on the other Game Boy Color games, which would be like Ocarina of Seasons and, I'm sorry, uh, Oracle of Seasons and Oracle of Ages, which are two Game Boy Color games that have completely different, they're two completely different games, each with two different, very different core mechanics. In one, you change the seasons, and in another, you go back into the past and the present. Um, so 
those games are really neat. But then once you beat both of them, you get a code that unlocks a secret third game that is like where these two games overlap with each other and you get the true ending for that franchise, which is really neat. I hope we see that. And then I also hope we get a Minish Cap remake in the same art style. Like Minish Cap is one of those that people are like, that's my favorite 2D Zelda game. It's so good. And it's very, it is very, very good. I think I would be excited for Minish Cap and I'd be excited for uh, A Link to the Past. Link to the Past could be good. I personally want Oracle of Ages and Seasons because they introduce some like very light RPG mechanics in ways that are really cool. I don't need that. You get a ring system. So instead of getting like special different swords. Like, like from Amazon? You get yeah, different ring. You just press a button and then the, the owl delivers a new item. Now, very good games, but regardless, that's what we thought of Link's Awakening. But what did you think of Link's Awakening? Let us know down below. Or, I guess, do we have people send us, like, questions somewhere? I guess for now... You mean on Patreon? You can back us over on Patreon, over on patreon.com slash cybergarbage. There, you'll get access to not only this podcast, you'll get the video version of this podcast... And an early audio version of the podcast if you're one of those iTunes, Spotify freeloaders listening to the episode free months after it's our, it's like a week. A week. I, we post the episode to uh, the podcast feeds a week after it's been on Patreon. But if you need so you the episode now, you get it a week early. That's great. Plus, you'll also get access to Joey Hates Movies, which is a very similar podcast to this one with a woman named Coral. And we talk about movies. We do a deep dive. And we try to find out what movies we can get Joey to like. You'll also do a show called The Weekly Scoop. It happens once a week, every week, over on twitch.tv slash cybergarbage or mixer.com slash cybergarbage. It's a very silly... Cybergarbage TV. Cybergarbage TV. Sorry. Ooh, 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 ooh. Cybergarbage TV. Oh, that light definitely turned out. But that is all the time we have for today. But please, if you have anything you want to say about this game... Or something you want to say about the next Garbage Game Club, which is Control, please leave a comment in the Patreon post below. If you're watching it, it's the one right underneath this one. We will take a look, and we will make a more active effort to actually um, answer any of those. But for the most part, we've been pretty good about answering any questions people leave I think leave so. Online. Also, if you could, uh, I think not everyone says this, but if you can leave a review on Apple Podcasts, that's genuinely helpful for us. Hell I've yeah. been told by people that it's very important and it can help us get more people here in the first place. So I know we have the luxury of doing this podcast that we just started having more people than normal listen to like a brand new podcast, especially because, you know, we are still in the grand scheme of things very small. Mm -hmm. But I know that more than enough people listen to it who have been with us and supported us for long enough that it would be so incredibly helpful if you can take the time to leave a review on Apple. Please please if you can do it right now maybe not right now like if you're driving Go if you can it. like maybe like leave a note in your phone like be like hey siri or like alexa or hey google oh man you activated thank you guys until next time play control <laughs>